0: Hello and welcome to the Strange Tales podcast presented by me your host Winston R. Douglas. We are a weekly podcast that looks a weird and wonderful tales from history, true crime, conspiracies and much more. I will try to cover various topics from different eras hopefully we can take a journey through history together. If you are a first-time listener please look back on our previous episodes, if you are a returning listener thank you for your continual support. If you enjoy the podcast, please smash that gorgeous like button and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also, if you could write a five star review, that would really help us get the word out so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at Strange Pod at gmail.com with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash tales pod. Where we have plans from as little as 3 US dollars a month and you can opt out anytime. Any help is much appreciated. This week we look into a cybercrime gang that is the Lazarus Group. Lazarus Group also known by other names such as Guardians of Peace or Who is Team is a cybercrime group made up of an unknown number of individuals. While not much is known about the Lazarus Group, researchers have attributed many cyber attacks to them over the last decade. Names given by cybersecurity firms include Hidden Cobra by the United States Intelligence Community and Zinc by Microsoft. The Lazarus Group has strong links to North Korea. The United States Federal Bureau of Investigation says that the Lazarus Group is a North Korean state sponsored hacking organization. The Lazarus Group were reported to have stolen 12 million US dollars from the Banco del Ostro in Ecuador and 1 million US dollars from Vietnam's Tien Phong Bank in 2015. They have also targeted banks in Poland and Mexico. The 2016 bank heist included an attack on the Bangladesh Bank, successfully stealing US$81 million, US dollars, and was attributed to the group. In 2017, the Lazarus Group was reported to have stolen 60 million US dollars from the Far Eastern International Bank of Taiwan although the actual amount stolen was unclear, and most of the funds were recovered. Ok let's get into today's strange tale. It is not clear who is really behind the group, but media reports have suggested the group has links to North Korea. Kaspersky Lab reported in 2017 that Lazarus tended to concentrate on spying and infiltration cyber attacks, whereas a subgroup within their organization, which Kaspersky called Blunaroff, specialized in financial cyber attacks. However, Kaspersky also acknowledged that the repetition of the code could be a false flag meant to mislead investigators and pin the attack on North Korea, given that the worldwide WannaCry worm cyber attack copied techniques from the NSA as well. This ransomware leverages an NSA exploit known as Eternal Blue that a hacker group known as Shadow Brokers made public in April 2017. Symantec reported in 2017 that it was highly likely that Lazarus was behind the WannaCry attack. The earliest known attack that the group is responsible for is known as Operation Troy, which took place from 2009 to 2012. This was a cyber-espionage campaign that utilized unsophisticated distributed denial-of-service attack techniques to target the South Korean government in Seoul. They were also responsible for attacks in 2011 and 2013. It is possible that they were also behind a 2007 attack targeting South Korea, but that is still uncertain. A notable attack that the group is known for is the 2014 attack on Sony Pictures. The Sony attack used more sophisticated techniques and highlighted how advanced the group has become over time. The first wave of attacks occurred on July 4, 2009, Independence Day holiday in the United States, targeting both the United States and South Korea. Among the websites affected were those of the White House, the Pentagon, the New York Stock Exchange, the Washington Post, the Nasdaq, and Amazon. The second wave of attacks occurred on July 7, 2009, affecting South Korea. Among the websites targeted were the presidential Blue House, the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry of Public Administration and Security, the National Intelligence Service, and the National Assembly. Security researcher Chris Kubecker presented evidence multiple European Union and United Kingdom companies unwittingly helped attack South Korea due to a W32.dozer infections malware used in part of the attack. Some of the companies used in the attack were partially owned by several governments, further complicating attribution. A third wave of attacks began on July 9, 2009, targeting several websites in South Korea, including the country's National Intelligence Service as well as one of its largest banks and a major news agency. The US State Department said on July 9 that its website also came under attack. State Department spokesman Ian Kelly said, I'm just going to speak about our website, the state government website. There's not a high volume of attacks, but we're still concerned about it. They are continuing. U.S. Department of Homeland Security spokesperson Amy Kudvar said that the department was aware of the attacks and that it had issued a notice to U.S. federal departments and agencies to take steps to mitigate attacks. Despite the fact that the attacks targeted major public and private sector websites, the South Korean presidential office suggested that the attacks were conducted with the purpose of causing disruption, rather than stealing data. However, Jose Nazario, manager of a US network security firm, claimed that the attack is estimated to have produced only 23 megabits of data per second, not enough to cause major disruptions. That being said, websites reported service disruptions for days following the attack. Later, it was discovered that the malicious code responsible for causing the attack, Trojan.dozer and its accompanying dropper W32.dozer, was programmed to destroy data on infected computers and prevent the computers from being rebooted. It is unclear if this mechanism was ever activated. Security experts said that the attack reused code from the midoom worm to spread infections between computers. Experts further shared that the malware used in the attack used no sophisticated techniques to evade detection by antivirus software and doesn't appear to have been written by someone experienced in coding malware. It was expected that the economic costs associated with websites being down would be large, as the disruption had prevented people from carrying out transactions, purchasing items or conducting business. It is not known who is behind the attacks. Reports indicate that the type of attacks being used, commonly known as distributed denial-of-service attacks, were unsophisticated. Given the prolonged nature of the attacks, they are being recognized as a more coordinated and organized series of attacks. According to the South Korean National Intelligence Service, the source of the attacks was tracked down, and the government activated an emergency cyber-terror response team, who blocked access to five host sites containing the malicious code, and 86 websites that downloaded the code located in 16 countries, including the United States, Guatemala, Japan and the People's Republic of China, but North Korea was not among them. The timing of the attack led some analysts to be suspicious of North Korea. The attack started on July 4, 2009, the same day as a North Korean short-range ballistic missile launch, and also occurred less than one month after the passage of UN Security Council Resolution 1874 which imposed further economic and commercial sanctions on North Korea in response to an underground nuclear test conducted earlier that year. South Korean police analysed a sample of the thousands of computers used by the BARTnet, stating that there is various evidence of the involvement of North Korea or pro-North elements, but said they may not find the culprit. Intelligence officials with the South Korean government warned lawmakers that a North Korean military research institute had been ordered to destroy the South's communications networks. Joe Stewart, researcher at SecureWorks Counter-Threat Unit, noted that the data generated by the attacking program appeared to be based on a Korean-language browser. Various security experts have questioned the narrative that the attack originated in North Korea. One analyst thinks that the attacks likely came from the United Kingdom, while technology analyst Rob Enderl hypothesizes that overactive students may be to blame. Joe Stewart of SecureWorks speculated that attention-seeking behavior drove the attack, though he notes that the breadth of the attack was unusual. On October 30, 2009, South Korea's spy agency, the National Intelligence Service, named North Korea as the perpetrator of the attack. According to head of the Niswan Sei hoon the organization found a link between the attacks and North Korea via an IP address that the North Korean Ministry of Post and Telecommunications allegedly was using on rent from China. On 20 March 2013, three South Korean television stations and a bank suffered from frozen computer terminals in a suspected act of cyber warfare. ATMs and mobile payments were also affected. The South Korean communications watchdog, the Korea Communications Commission, raised their alert level on cyber attacks to 3 on a scale of 5. North Korea has been blamed for similar attacks in 2009 and 2011 and was suspected of launching this attack as well. This attack also came at a period of elevated tensions between the two Koreas, following Pyongyang's nuclear test on the 12th of February. South Korean officials linked the incident to a Chinese IP address, which increased suspicion of North Korea as intelligence experts believe that North Korea routinely uses Chinese computer addresses to hide its cyber attacks. The attacks on all six organizations derived from one single entity. The networks were attacked by malicious codes, rather than distributed denial of service DDoS, attacks as suspected at the beginning. It appeared to have used only hard drive overwrites. This cyber attack damaged 32,000 computers and servers of media, and financial companies. The Financial Services Commission of South Korea said that Shinan Bank reported that its internet banking servers had been temporarily blocked and that Jiju Bank, Co, and Nong Hyup reported that operations at some of their branches had been paralyzed after computers were infected with viruses and their files erased. Wuri Bank reported a hacking attack, but said it had suffered no damage. Computer shutdowns also hit companies including the Korean Broadcasting System, Munwa Broadcasting Corporation, and YTN. This cyber attack caused US$750 million US in economic damage alone. Feek 2013, also. The frequency of cyber attacks by North Korea and rampant cyber espionage activities attributed to China are of great concern to the South Korean government. The June 25 cyber terror is an information leak that occurred on June 25, 2013 that targeted Keongwede and other institutions. The hacker that caused this incident admitted that the information of 2.5 million Yuri Party members, 300,000 soldiers, 100,000 Keongwede homepage users and 40,000 United States Forces Korea members. There were apparent hacking attacks on government websites. The incident happened on the 63rd anniversary of the start of the 1950 53 Korean War, which was a war that divided the Korean Peninsula. Since the Blue House's website was hacked, the personal information of a total of 220,000 people, including 100,000 ordinary citizens and 20,000 military personnel, using the Chonghua Day website were hacked. The website of the Office for Government Policy Coordination and some media servers were affected as well. While multiple attacks were organized by multiple perpetrators, one of the Distributed Denial of Service DDoS, attacks against the South Korean government websites were directly linked to the Dark Soul Gang and Trojan.Castoff. Malware related to the attack is called Dark Soul in the computer world and was first identified in 2012. It has contributed to multiple previous high-profile attacks against South Korea. At approximately 2013 June 25 9.10am, websites such as the Kyongweide website, Main Government Institute websites, news, etc. became victims of website change, DDoS, information thievery, and other such attacks. When connecting to the Keongwede homepage words such as the great Kim Jong-un governor and all hail the unified chairman Kim Jong-un. Until our demands are met our attacks will continue. Greet us. We are anonymous would appear with a photo of President Park geun The government changed the status of cyber danger to noteworthy on June 25, 10.45 am, then changed it to warning on 3.40 pm. Day uploaded an apology on June 28. The Ministry of Science, ICT and future planning revealed on July 16 that both the March and June incidents corresponded with past hacking methods used by North Korea. However, the attacked targets include a Japanese Korean Central News Agency site and major North Korean anti-South websites and the hackers also have announced that they would release information of approximately 20 high-ranked North Korean army officers with countless pieces of information on North Korean weaponry. Following the hacking in June there was further speculation that North Korea was responsible for the attacks. Investigators found that an IP address used in the attack matched one used in previous hacking attempts by Pyongyang Park Ye-moon a former director general at the Ministry of Science, ICT and Future Planning said, 82 malignant codes, collected from the damaged devices, and internet addresses used for the attack, as well as the North Korea's previous hacking patterns, proved that the hacking methods were the same as those used in the 20th of March cyber attacks. With this incident, the Korean government publicly announced that they would take charge of the Cyber Terror Response Control Tower and along with different ministries, The National Intelligence Service, NIS, will be responsible to build a comprehensive response system using the national cyber security measures. The South Korean government asserted a Pyongyang link in the March cyber attacks, which has been denied by Pyongyang. A 50-year-old South Korean man identified as Mr. Kim is suspected to be involved in the attack. 2014, Sony breach. The exact duration of the hack is yet unknown. U.S. investigators say the culprits spent at least two months copying critical files. A purported member of the Guardians of Peace GOP, who has claimed to have performed the hack stated that they had access for at least a year prior to its discovery in November 2014, according to Wired. The hackers involved claim to have taken more than 100 terabytes of data from Sony, but that claim has never been confirmed. The attack was conducted using malware. Although Sony was not specifically mentioned in its advisory, US Cert said that attackers used a server message block (SMB) worm tool to conduct attacks against a major entertainment company. Components of the attack included a listening implant, backdoor, proxy tool, destructive hard drive tool, and destructive target cleaning tool. The components clearly suggest an intent to gain repeated entry, extract information, and be destructive, as well as remove evidence of the attack. Sony was made aware of the hack on Monday, November 24, 2014, As the malware previously installed rendered many Sony employees' computers inoperable by the software, with the warning by a group calling themselves the Guardians of Peace, along with a portion of the confidential data taken during the hack. Several Sony-related Twitter accounts were also taken over. This followed a message that several Sony Pictures executives had received via email on the previous Friday, November 21. The message, coming from a group called God's Apsals, demanded monetary compensation or otherwise, Sony Pictures will be bombarded as a whole. This email message had been mostly ignored by executives, lost in the volume they had received or treated as spam email. In addition to the activation of the malware on November 24, the message included a warning for Sony to decide on their course of action by 11pm that evening, although no apparent threat was made when that deadline passed. In the days following this hack, the Guardians of Peace began leaking yet unreleased films and started to release portions of the confidential data to attract the attention of social media sites, although they did not specify what they wanted in return. Sony quickly organized internal teams to try to manage the loss of data to the internet, and contacted the FBI, and the private security firm FireEye to help protect Sony employees whose personal data was exposed by the hack, repair the damaged computer infrastructure and trace the source of the leak. The first public report concerning a North Korean link to the attack was published by re code on November 28 and later confirmed by NBC News. This is absurd. Yet it is exactly the kind of behavior we have come to expect from a regime that threatened to take merciless countermeasures against the US over Hollywood comedy, and has no qualms about holding tens of thousands of people in harrowing gulags. On December 8, 2014, alongside the eighth large data dump of confidential information, The Guardians of Peace threatened Sony with language relating to the September 11 attacks that drew the attention of U.S. security agencies. North Korean state-sponsored hackers are suspected by the United States of being involved in part due to specific threats made towards Sony and movie theaters showing The Interview, a comedy film about an assassination attempt against Kim Jong-un. North Korean officials had previously expressed concerns about the film to the United Nations, stating that to allow the production and distribution of such a film on the assassination of an incumbent head of a sovereign state should be regarded as the most undisguised sponsoring of terrorism as well as an act of war. In its first quarter financials for 2015, Sony Pictures set aside $15 million to deal with ongoing damages from the hack. Sony has bolstered its cybersecurity infrastructure as a result, using solutions to prevent similar hacks or data loss in the future. Sony co-chairperson Amy Pascal announced in the wake of the hack that she would step down as of May 2015, and instead will become more involved with film production under Sony. According to a notice letter dated December 8, 2014, From SBE to its employees, SBE learned on December 1, 2014, that personally identifiable information about employees and their dependents may have been obtained by unauthorized individuals as a result of a brazen cyber attack, including names, addresses, social security numbers and financial information. On December 7, 2014, C-SPAN reported that the hackers stole 47,000 unique social security numbers from the SBE computer network. Although personal data may have been stolen, early news reports focused mainly on celebrity gossip and embarrassing details about Hollywood and film industry business affairs gleaned by the media from electronic files, including private email messages. Among the information revealed in the emails was that Sony CEO Kazuo Hirai pressured Sony Pictures co-chairwoman Amy Pascal to soften the assassination scene in the upcoming Sony film The Interview. Many details relating to the actions of the Sony Pictures executives, including Pascal and Michael Linton, were also released, in a manner that appeared to be intended to spur distrust between these executives and other employees of Sony. Other emails released in the hack showed Pascal and Scott Rudin, a film and theatrical producer discussing angelina jolie in the emails rudin referred to jolie as a minimally talented spoiled brat because jolie wanted david fincher to direct her film cleopatra which rudin felt would interfere with fincher directing a planned film about steve jobs amy pascal And Rudin were also noted to have had an email exchange about Pascal's upcoming encounter with Barack Obama, that included characterizations described as racist, which led to Pascal's resignation from Sony. The two had suggested they should mention films about African Americans upon meeting the president, such as Django Unchained, Twelve Years a Slave and The Butler, all of which depict slavery in the United States or the pre-civil rights era. Pascal and Rudin later apologized. Details of lobbying efforts by politician Mike Moore on behalf of the Digital Citizens Alliance and fair search against Google were also revealed. The leak revealed multiple details of behind-the-scenes politics on Columbia Pictures' current Spider-Man film series, including emails between Pascal and others to various heads of Marvel Studios. Due to the outcry from fans, the Spider-Man license was eventually negotiated to be shared between both studios. In addition to the emails, a copy of the screenplay for the James Bond film Spectre, released in 2015, was obtained. Several future Sony Pictures films including Annie, Mr. Turner, Still Alice and To Write Love on Her Arms, were also leaked. The hackers intended to release additional information on December 25, 2014, which coincided with the release date of the interview in the United States. According to the Daily Dot, based on the email leaks, while he was at Sony, executive Charles Sipkins was responsible for following senior executives' orders to edit Wikipedia articles about them. In December 2014, Former Sony Pictures Entertainment employees filed four lawsuits against the company for not protecting their data that was released in the hack, which included social security numbers and medical information. As part of the emails, it was revealed that Sony was in talks with Nintendo to make an animated film based on the Super Mario Bros. series, which came to fruition four years later, albeit under Universal and Illumination instead of Sony. In January 2015, details were revealed of the MPA's lobbying of the United States International Trade Commission to mandate US ISPs either at the internet transit level or consumer-level internet service provider, to implement IP address blocking pirate websites as well as linking websites. WikiLeaks published over 30,000 documents that were obtained via the hack in April 2015, with founder Julian Assange stating that the document archive shows the inner workings of an influential multinational corporation that should be made public. In November 2015, after Charlie Sheen revealed he was HIV positive in a television interview to Matt Lauer, it was revealed that information about his diagnosis was leaked in an email between senior Sony bosses dated March 10, 2014. In December, Snap Incorporated due to the hack, was revealed to have acquired Virgins Labs for $15 million in cash and stock, the developers of Epiphany Eyewear, and Mobile App Scan for $150 million. On December 16, for the first time since the hack, The Guardians of Peace mentioned the then-upcoming film The Interview by name, and threatened to take terrorist actions against the film's New York City premiere at Sunshine Cinema on December 18, as well as on its American-wide release date, set for December 25. Sony pulled the theatrical release the following day. We will clearly show it to you at the very time and places the interview be shown, including the premiere, how bitter fate those who seek fun in terror should be doomed to soon all the world will see what an awful movie Sony Pictures Entertainment has made. The world will be full of fear. Remember the 11th of September 2001. We recommend you to keep yourself distant from the places at that time. If your house is nearby, you'd better leave, whatever comes in the coming days is called by the greed of Sony Pictures Entertainment. All the world will denounce the Sony. Seth Rogen and James Franco, the stars of the interview, responded by saying they did not know if it was definitely caused by the film, but later canceled all media appearances tied to the film outside of the planned New York City premiere on December 16, 2014. Following initial threats made towards theaters that would show the interview, several theatrical chains, including Carmike Cinemas, Bowtie Cinemas, Regal Entertainment Group, Showcase Cinemas. AMC Theatres, Cinemark Theatres, as well as several independent movie theater owners announced that they would not screen the interview. The same day, Sony stated that they would allow theaters to opt out of showing the interview, but later decided to fully pull the national December 25th release of the film, as well as announced that there were no further release plans to release the film on any platform, including home video, in the foreseeable future. On December 18th, Two messages, both allegedly from the Guardians of Peace, were released. One, sent in a private message to Sony executives, stated that they would not release any further information if Sony never releases the film and removed its presence from the internet. The other, posted to Pastebin, a web application used for text storage that the Guardians of Peace have used for previous messages stated that the studio had suffered enough and could release the interview, but only if Kim Jong-un's death scene was not too happy. The Post also stated that the company cannot test them again, and that if Sony Pictures makes anything else, they will be here ready to fight. President Barack Obama, in an end-of-year press speech on December 19, commented on the Sony hacking and stated that he felt Sony made a mistake in pulling the film, and that producers should not get into a pattern where you are intimidated by these acts. He also said, we will respond proportionally and we will respond in a place and time, and manner that we choose. In response to President Obama's statement, Sony Entertainment's CEO Michael Linton said on the CNN program Anderson Cooper 360 that the public, the press and the president misunderstood the events. Linton said the decision to cancel the wide release was in response to a majority of theaters pulling their showings and not to the hackers' threats. Linton stated that they would seek other options to distribute the film in the future, and noted we have not given in. And we have not backed down. We have always had every desire to have the American public see this movie." On December 23rd, Surly opted to authorize approximately 300 mostly independent theaters to show the interview on Christmas Day, as the four major theater chains had yet to change their earlier decision not to show the film. The FBI worked with these theaters to detail the specifics of the prior threats and how to manage security for the showings, but noted that there was no actionable intelligence on the prior threats. Sony's Linton stated on the announcement that we are proud to make it available to the public and to have stood up to those who attempted to suppress free speech. The interview was also released to Google Play, Xbox Video, and YouTube on December 24. No incidents predicated by the threats occurred with the release, and instead, the unorthodox release of the film led to it being considered a success due to increased interest in the film following the attention it had received. On December 27, the North Korean National Defense Commission released a statement accusing Obama of being the chief culprit who forced the Sony Pictures Entertainment to indiscriminately distribute the movie. U.S. government officials stated on December 17, 2014 their belief that the North Korean government was centrally involved in the hacking, although there was initially some debate within the White House whether or not to make this finding public. White House officials treated the situation as a serious national security matter, and the FBI formally stated on December 19 that they connected the North Korean government to the cyber attacks. Including undisclosed evidence, These claims were made based on the use of similar malicious hacking tools and techniques previously employed by North Korean hackers, including North Korea's Cyber Warfare Agency Bureau 121 on South Korean targets. According to the FBI, Technical analysis of the data deletion malware used in this attack revealed links to other malware that the FBI knows North Korea previously developed. For example, There were similarities in specific lines of code, encryption algorithms, data deletion methods, and compromised networks. The FBI also observed significant overlap between the infrastructure used in this attack and other malicious cyber activity the US government has previously linked directly to North Korea. For example, the FBI discovered that several IP addresses associated with known North Korean infrastructure communicated with IP addresses that were hard-coded into the data deletion malware used in this attack. The FBI later clarified that the source IP addresses were associated with a group of North Korean businesses located in Shenyang in northeastern China. Separately. The tools used in the SBE attack have similarities to a cyber attack in March of last year against South Korean banks and media outlets, which was carried out by North Korea. The FBI later clarified more details of the attacks, attributing them to North Korea by noting that the hackers were sloppy with the use of proxy IP addresses that originated from within North Korea. At one point the hackers logged into the Guardians of Peace Facebook account and Sony's servers without effective concealment. FBI Director James Comey stated that internet access is tightly controlled within North Korea, and as such, it was unlikely that a third party had hijacked these addresses without allowance from the North Korean government. The National Security Agency assisted the FBI in analyzing the attack. Specifically, in reviewing the malware and tracing its origins, NSA Director Admiral Michael Rogers agreed with the FBI that the attack originated from North Korea. A disclosed NSA report published by Der Spiegel stated that the agency had become aware of the origins of the hack due to their own cyber intrusion on North Korea's network that they had set up in 2010, following concerns of the technology maturation of the country. The North Korean news agency KCNA denied the wild rumors of North Korean involvement, but said that. 3. The hacking into the Sony Pictures might be a righteous deed of the supporters and sympathisers with the DPRK in response to its appeal. North Korea offered to be part of a joint probe, with the United States to determine the hackers' identities, threatening consequences if the United States refused to collaborate, and continued the allegation. The US refused and asked China for investigative assistance instead. Some days after the FBI's announcement, North Korea temporarily suffered a nationwide internet outage, which the country claimed to be the United States' response to the hacking attempts. On the day following the FBI's accusation of North Korea's involvement, the FBI received an email purportedly from the hacking group, linking to a YouTube video entitled You Are an Idiot, apparently mocking the organization. December 19, 2014. U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security Jay Johnson released a statement, The cyber attack against Sony Pictures Entertainment was not just an attack against a company and its employees. It was also an attack on our freedom of expression and way of life. He encouraged businesses and other organizations to use the cybersecurity framework developed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology NIST to assess and limit cyber risks and protect against cyber threats. Secretary of State John Kerry published his remarks condemning North Korea for the cyber attack and threats against movie theaters and moviegoers. This provocative and unprecedented attack and subsequent threats only strengthen our resolve to continue to work with partners around the world to strengthen cybersecurity, promote norms of acceptable state behavior, uphold freedom of expression, and ensure that the internet remains open, interoperable, secure and reliable, he said. On January 2, 2015, the U.S., under an executive order issued by President Obama, installed additional economic sanctions on already sanctioned North Korea for the hack, which North Korean officials called out as groundlessly stirring up bad blood towards the country. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's Strange Tale. If you did, please smash that gorgeous like button and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also, if you could write a five star review, that would really help us get the word out so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at strangetalespod at gmail.com, with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash strangetalespod. Where we have plans from as little as 3 US dollars a month and you can opt out anytime. Any help is much appreciated. This is me your host Winston R. Douglas signing out for now. Thanks again hope to see you again soon.